Hello everybody, this is Ray Dagham from STEP and welcome to this episode of Meta Conversations where I interview successful startup founders in or from emerging markets. If you enjoy listening and find it useful, you can follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or watch the video version on stepplus.stepconference.com and let's get started. All right, so we're we're uh, we're live. We're having some issue with with Twitter, so I message everyone on the no, on the on the event uh, to go to to the Facebook one. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. It's great to have you. Thank you, Ray. Uh, to have you here. Uh, thank you. Ray. So, yeah, thank you very much. Let's get started. Uh, sure. So first of all, tell me tell me how did you end up from from first I think in Saudi, then in Omaha for so long. <laughs> And then back in Tehran. So how, yeah. how did that yeah. happen? Yeah. <laughs> Have you met Warren Omaha, Buffett, by the way, while, while you're there? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing there. Every May fifth, everybody attends the you know, like the the annual conference for Berkshire Hathaway. It's the yeah. it's the Mecca of uh, of all the investors, right? Now I yes. was just a student. I wasn't an investor. But being in Omaha, you 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 have to go. And if you have a wasta, I kid you not. If you have a wasta, you can get the pass <laughs> without having stuck. If 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 you are from Omaha, so there are a few years that I had the wasta, and I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Mr. Buffett. Of course, as an attendee, not 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 personally. Oh, interesting. Have you ever bumped into yeah. him, like on the street or? Yeah, in a- I, I did. I did actually. Our first office. Um, and, and the company that I started in Omaha, our first office was like a few blocks away from Warren's house and and it's on the same street. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I have a few times. His house is a very modest house, no security or anything. Nice, very nice. So and, yeah. and, and what happened? How long did you live there and what brought you back to the, to the region? So I lived in Omaha for 12 years. Um, so all the 12 years that I spent in the U.S., I spent them in Omaha. It's a city that I that I that I really love and I call home. Uh, but what brought me back is home. Um, I am very very passionate about uh, doing something for the region, doing something for Saudi. And I think I think I had that sense when I when I when I got back. Uh, but it was Kareem that really brought me back. I think the mission of Kareem. I was I was uh, sold on the mission of Kareem, and this is something that uh, that brought me back. But I almost always I must also say that the reason I moved back is because my my previous startup failed that I had in Omaha, and and I and it was an incredible journey for seven years, but it didn't quite work out. So so that was also a reason to mention. But yeah, thanks for sharing that as well. So you you came to Karim yeah. and, and then after that you started Penny or uh, throughout throughout the way. And I think I saw you recently right. also. Wamda issued this uh, report about uh, the Karim uh, mafia, mafia or the the, the, the yeah. yeah, and 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 yeah. you're one of them. Uh, so yeah, how, how did that happen from being Karim for I think you were there for two or three years, right? Yeah, I was there for almost three years. Um, and I'm very, very proud and honored to be one of the Kareem Mafia. Uh, but I think, so we were in a meeting yesterday uh, for the Kareem alumni. And mm-hmm. I think Magnus mentioned that he counted the companies that started at Kareem and he's mentioned over 100. Wow. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know about That's incredible. the list. 
Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know about the list, but when 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 I heard that, I was like, wow! It just uh, you know, uh, I, I realized the impact that we were able to create in the region, uh, in Kareem. Uh, that being said, I think I learned so much, so much from Kareem. It was it was an accelerator. I think it's like uh, the way I put it that joining Kareem as a general manager, because I, I joined Kareem as a general manager in Saudi. And then I wore the hat of a marketing director. And in that time, three years ago, Kareem was quite the startup. I, I The way I would describe this is, it's like um, uh, YC and HBS on steroids. Yeah. No, I mean, it's such a fantastic thing. <laughs> you read a lot. The- yeah, all the amount of startups yeah. that came yeah. out and and uh, the people that I know have started companies is is just amazing, and it's added so much uh, to the to the region. And now yeah. you're 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 the founder of Penny, which is a, a SaaS startup from Saudi and from the region, uh, a global SaaS startup. So uh, I don't see a lot yeah. of SaaS startups, to be honest with you, uh, out of the yep. region. I'd like to see more, and and it's great to 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 uh, to know that you're doing that. Uh, so maybe tell us a little bit more about Penny. Uh, what is Penny? When do you get started? Uh, sure. And and if you, if you can share, I think you you told me it's it's an a know what it is i looked it out it's a crm for expenses is how you kind of explain it <laughs> yeah so uh, you're absolutely right so to to explain what penny does we are procurement and spend management software our software help companies manage all their spending all their expenses and the most complex part of it of of expend of, of spending is procurement so we're heavily focused on the procurement and now we have a standalone product which is an e-sourcing tool uh, so this tool helps companies manage the sourcing so and this is something that we've learned in the market when we went to the market we said hey guys here's a full-fledged procurement software and and there was a good demand for that one but what we noticed that large companies would come back to us and say uh, that's cool uh, but we don't really need the whole thing. We just need that sourcing tool. You guys have an awesome sourcing tool. Uh, we have an ERP system. We have a spend management system, but we need that e-sourcing tool. And more and more companies are coming to us for that e-sourcing tool alone. And and we realize that, oh my God, this is a product in itself. So now we are introducing this new product, which is an e-sourcing tool that helps any company, small or big, completely digitize their sourcing. And to explain to you what that means, it basically means that you go there, you have a purchase requisition or something, you put it in the system. You, if you receive a, a purchase requisition, if you're, let's say if you're a procurement manager mm-hmm. and you receive a, a, a purchase requisition, you just drag an Excel sheet and boom, it automates the whole, the whole process. It sends RFQs to the suppliers, it gathers back quotation and basically it gives you a data-driven view of what is the best prices, which supplier you should go with and why. And it's all automated process, a process that used to take a lot of time sending email and copying to Excel sheet and vice, vice versa uh, is now all automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, uh, we do the, the full procurement and spend management. 
So it's a CRM uh, kind of part of it where you, uh, your clients get to manage their, their suppliers and then you have a sourcing tool and you can connect them with like a marketplace as well, right? Yes, so we have a marketplace in the sourcing tool. Currently, we have it only in Saudi. So we haven't launched the marketplace. We're building the marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we have launched is the directory. And the directory okay. is basically um, you, let's say you are, you, you are shopping for x category you can find in the directory the suppliers in saudi in that category and you can reach out to them you can send that FQs. so we're digitizing the sourcing side of, of procurement uh those suppliers are are carefully vetted by us we do the we do the kyc uh, we select our suppliers very very carefully and and that's the marketplace but going back to your point about being the crm of spending Basically, our, our, our full package of product is a procurement and spend management. And the idea of it is that as an organization, and this is super, super helpful for medium-sized companies, uh, as an organization, the software manages every penny you spend. Uh, so think about it as the CRM for uh, your CRM for, re for your revenue. Penny is the opposite of CRM. Penny is one tool that consolidates and manages all your spending, while CRM all your revenue. Got it. So how how do you go about starting something like this? So my question about in Saudi and for uh, the world, right? So when you're yeah. doing that, you're also competing with uh, companies similar to you who are in the US or in Europe or somewhere else. Uh, so what made you decide to, and you were in the US. So what made you decide to start this from the region? Uh, and yeah. that not that I'm saying that you cannot start something from the region and compete globally. And where are your customers coming from right? Right now uh, are they coming we, from we the can. region or global we we can we can start it from the region but uh, it's certainly harder it's definitely harder and we're not oblivious to that fact because um the thing about this industry ray if you look at um the procurement softwares in general if you take the competitive landscape um they are all competing on a global market no one is saying, hey, I'm going to create a procurement software for India, or I'm going to create a procurement software for Germany. By nature, the, the, this, 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 uh, this industry is global competition. Um, so from day one, we're competing globally. And now what we see is that at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to the final decision, and it's an enterprise solution, right? So we work very, very closely with our with our with our customers. We we customize for them, and we we work closely with them. And we know that at the end of the day, it comes to a decision within a committee, uh, and they tell us transparently who are we looking at, and it's always Penny versus Microsoft, it's Penny versus SAP, Penny versus Oracle. So you see the kind of competition we are competing with on the ground. And this is what's happening on the ground. And when we when we built Penny, we didn't expect to compete with these guys. We said, one day we will compete with these guys. But what's happening right now is that we are competing with them. And that's the reality of it. So it is very, very tough. It is very, very tough. Now, I also want to comment on your other question. How How is it to build it from this region? Um, sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I just wanted to ask how you how you're competing with them now. So so how do you actually yeah. differentiate uh, as as a as a product? Are you more uh, niche and specialized uh, to acquire, you know, to, to take customers who are using Oracle or Microsoft or something else and start using your product? Yeah. Uh, so what's your strategy when it comes to that as well? But please go ahead. You wanted to, to answer the earlier yeah. question as well. Yeah. So the good news is we already are taking and the reason why because our software is competitive uh, we have better sourcing tool and when customers see the difference between our sourcing tool and the competitive or the competition sourcing tool they can see the difference that's number one number two uh, our software is designed with a better ui ux and believe it or not it's a thing with a lot of those uh, legacy softwares you know how the UI UX for those legacy software, it's like mm. so, it was like designed in the 90s and never changed. 90s, yeah. And, and it's crazy because at the end of the day, uh, the, the, the human, the person who's using this is the same person who is using iPhone or Android. Is the same person who has access to consumer app. It's the same, it, we're serving the same people. So the, I think the consumerization of B2B is something that is that is growing and people are starting to pay attention. Uh, Penny, we designed it for the end user. We It's a B2B, but designed for the B2C. Uh, so the the ease of, of using such software, we're definitely competitive on that edge. Um, another important factor is that we customize and a lot of those big companies, while they have fancy sales offices in the region, they don't really have tech team in the region. While we have tech team in the region, and our technology is 100% ours, so we never use any open source, we never outsource anything, so we own the technology 100%. That What that allows us to do, it allows us to customize for our clients, and, and that's definitely a competitive edge. Now, if we cat the procurement software only, the procurement software, we're definitely competitive on a global edge. So we have an opportunity to go global, but it's not gonna be easy. It's going to be step by step because you have to build up your reputation and so on. The challenge is that um, if you look at ERP systems, it's really heavy to convince companies to step out of their ERP comfort zone. And I don't blame them, but that's certainly mm -hmm. a challenge, not only for us, for competition as well. So in, in, in that case, how do you acquire currently today the, the your customers? So do you go after, you know, existing customers of uh, these legacy kind of softwares? Uh, is your yeah. acquisition acquisition strategy more inbound? Are you doing more outreach uh, to such clients? Uh, are you focusing on larger organizations or smaller organizations? Again, from the region, outside the region. So I'd really like to know, um, yeah. you know, from when you start, until now uh, and you know moving forward how you guys are looking at uh, acquisition strategy yeah. specifically as a SaaS from so, the region so that's that's the interesting part uh, so as we speak in this podcast today we haven't spent a penny on marketing we haven't reached out to anyone <laughs> everyone awesome. that we that ev yeah everyone that we're working with our companies have reached out to us or they were connected with us through um, through friends, through investors, and, and other and other connection, uh, but those are these are companies who have 
reached out to us. We haven't spent anything. We didn't even put any work on SEO yet, which is which is bad. I don't. I'm, I'm not advising it, but we're just getting started. Now kicking off the SEO thing. So no SEO, no digital marketing. It has been a purely word of mouth. And and what's fascinating is that there is a need in the market. Um, and the word of mouth is by nature because we're a company from the region. We're, the com- we're a company from Saudi. We're getting a lot of requests from Saudi and the UAE. And that's natural. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting, Ray, is that we're getting requests from all over the world. We're getting requests from India. We're getting requests from Australia. We're getting requests from Germany. We're getting requests from Canada. and. And, and, and these are markets that we never thought of. And the reason why is because they come across Penny and they have no idea uh, Penny where Penny is from. It doesn't seem like if you go to the website, it's hard to tell. It looks like a, just a global brand. And yeah. and that's actually validating our hypothesis that this is a global, this is a global field. So when you got started, uh, did you bootstrap for some time? Uh, I, I know you fundraised uh, around, uh, but how long did it take you to actually fundraise? Uh, were you making yeah. revenue early on? Were you investing yourself? Uh, maybe also tell us a little bit more about, is it just you? Yeah. I think you have co-founders as well. Yep. So um, so I must say, I must say that um, every story is unique. Right. So whatever I say, whatever that uh, I'll tell you that worked out in Penny doesn't mean it will work out for other people. Every story is unique and there is no formula to follow. There is absolutely no formula to follow. There are good practices and there are bad practices, but there is no formula. With that being said, um, in Penny, we because we developed the technology in-house, and because the technology was built by the co-founders, we didn't really... Um, we didn't really um, need a lot of money to sort of put things together and have the alpha version. Um, so everything was built in house. The founders are the are the are the programmers. I'm not. I, I don't understand anything programming, unfortunately. Uh, but that helped us. That helped us. So we didn't have to hire engineers to to get things started or raise money to hire an agency. We didn't have to do this. So how did you one find thing. your co- co- one or or multiple co-founders who are who are, who are engineers? Four. Are, who, how no, many are uh, engineers? Two, no, two are engineers. Okay, and how how did you guys yeah. meet up? Did you meet up before? <laughs> you see this. This is uh, this is a question that I get often from entrepreneurs. Um, how do I meet my technical yeah. partner? Uh, it's a very very common question. It is. It is absolutely in the region, and I think the answer is serendipity. Uh, I really believe so. I think uh, things work out in a serendipitous way. Uh, the way to get that and serendipity comes to those who move. Who are active uh, so as long as you are sort of active pursuing yeah. things somehow will pull together um so yeah definitely so, and, yeah. and one thing i want to i want to add here as well uh is that recently also there's been a big emergence of no code tools so even if you're a non-technical uh founder uh yeah. and you know you think that I need to find a technical co-founder in order to kick off my business. Uh, that's not true anymore. You can still, in many cases, in, in it depends what you're building, but in a lot of, let's say the startups that come out of the region, most of them you can kick off a an MVP or prototype uh, with, yeah. with a lot of no-code tools. So- uh, That is, that is absolutely I, right. <laughs> mm. Yeah. 
So and and yeah. and then you you uh, you guys you know have met from before. You were friends from before. I assume you didn't you know like you said make the effort to go and find a technical co-founder. So you got to it and you started you started building this. How long ago? So we started building this about two years and a half ago. Um, the idea is like three years old, but we really put things together about two years and a half ago. Um, and I must I must comment on the last point is that um, yes, you don't have a, to have a technical co uh, co-founder, but like you rightly said, that really depends on what kind of business you you you're starting. So if you're starting sure. an e-commerce. You probably don't have to at the beginning. Later down the road, you're you're gonna need your tech team. But if you're starting a software company, an enterprise company, a SaaS company, I think is a must. I don't think it's an option, right? Like you must have a technical co-founder and a very good one. Um, but going back at it, so we sort of like started uh, two years ago, two years and a half or so, and and we've been really like it took us time because. This market is, and the problem that we're trying to solve is complex. As much as we thought that we understood the problem, the deeper we go, the more complex it gets. And it took us time because we don't want to just like put in the market a product that is like a crappy product and just use an MVP as an excuse because they see this happening all the time. Um, it doesn't work this way in B2B. It might work this way in B2C, but in B2B, uh, it doesn't work this way because you can't ask a company and say, hey, guys, uh, here's a software to manage your multi-million dollar business and manage your purchasing. And if you're a hospital, people's lives literally depend on it. But bear with us. It's an MVP. It doesn't so you work did not build way. an MVP. You went straight to the product. And when was your product in beta and when was it ready to, to be used by clients from day of kickoff? So actually, our product was in beta about August of this year. Uh, mm -hmm. But and you fundraised before is, August. We fundraised before August. We fundraised okay. before uh, before we had the product ready. Yes. So we announced the round in September, but we fund we we raised the fund way before. And like I said, um, we had the product ready. We were just sort of like testing it, testing it, testing it, meeting with customers, understanding what they want. Because you cannot you cannot afford to mess up in a procurement. You really cannot. <laughs> Things will really yeah. go down in a procurement if you mess up. So the question of traction when you were fundraising, because I'm assuming you just had your product, so you didn't really have, probably you were still pre-revenue. Uh, so how did you... Pre-product, I mean, even so. Pre-pre-beta. Yeah, and in, in the region, you know, most VCs do ask for traction and do ask for some true. some sort of market validation, um, and and some sort of growth as well. So, how did you uh, achieve that in that case when you went and uh, to to fundraise? And you fundraised like above a million dollars, so that that wasn't a small right. amount. Uh, right. Um, so that what that's why fundraising was very challenging for us and for a good reason, right? We they have good reason, um, but that's why fundraising was challenging for us. However, uh, we were able to successfully close a good round uh, from big names. Uh, we have uh, prominent VCs with us. We have. Uh, big companies, um, well-known angel investors with us, and that was at the end of the day, it was a successful round. But it was, it didn't, 
it didn't come What's about challenging? very easily. Define challenge. Yeah, what is what what is that? Look, um, took us 13 months of fundraising. And, 13 months. Uh, wow. Okay, so that's double months, the yeah. the amount of like the average time. Yeah, yeah. It took us 13 months of fundraising, and it took us a lot, a lot of meetings and travels. Like I cannot even count. Uh, almost definitely more than 100. I cannot okay. count. Okay, so the investors that you ended up with, are they the ones that you started in month one? So month one compared to month 13. Uh, how many of the investors that actually fundraised were ones uh-huh. that you spoke to in month one or two, like Zero. at the beginning? Zero. Zero. So when... So yeah. When did you speak to one of your first like investors? When was that conversation? Let, let me tell you my experience with fundraising, and I think uh, this would be helpful to to entrepreneurs who are fundraising. Um, fundraising, I must I must first you know m- make a disclaimer. Um, fundraising does not mean or having a successful round doesn't mean your company is successful. Absolutely, fundraising uh, does not agree more to product market yeah. fit, right? Just because just because somebody out there who's having a good day wrote you a check doesn't mean you have a product market fit. It does not. You I after agree. you fundraise, you go out and start looking for the product market fit. And I will tap on this about Penny and our experience and Penny uh, down the road uh, about fundraising. Uh, first of all, I think uh, when you are fundraising, you have to have a very, 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 very long stamina because you're going to go out and you're going to be repeating the pitch all the time and you're going to get used to it and it's okay what you will find out is that the more you go the more you pitch it the more one your pitch gets refined number two the more you're gathering very good feedback they're bad feedback trust me the investor can give you all kind of feedback and but what you need to do is you have to really really drop your ego I'm, I'm, I'm telling this to every entrepreneur out there. If you're fundraising, please listen to this. Drop your ego. It is not about you. It is not. It's about the idea. It's about the company. It's about what you're going to build. It's not about you. So first of all, drop your ego. Uh, pay attention to what they're saying. Filter it because there's a lot of bullshit. I'm sorry to say this, but so filter what you hear. There will be a lot of good advice from from investors. Don't take everything they say and apply it. Don't panic. That's fine. Some of them will not. Some of them will not like your idea. They're just not the right investors for you. But pay attention mm-hmm. and drop your ego. Pay attention and 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 what you will find is that because you're out there um, uh, pitching, your idea will improve. Your pitch will get refined. And the thing with fundraising is that. It'll take you a lot of time and a lot of work with no results. But as soon as you start to get some results, this business is built on FOMO, right? Yeah. And as soon as you get results, everyone wants to join. Me- me meaning your lead investor. So as soon as you're a lead investor, then, you know, others... Well, yes, yes. I mean, yes. But I mean, in our case, for example, we didn't have a lead investor. Um, sort of, I was leading everything and, and I, you know, like we got this investor and then we got this investor and got this investor, but still, uh, when people join, when, when, when a true believers join, everybody else wants to join. So what you're going to see is that it's going to go like this. Um, and right now we are at the stage in Penny where 
uh, and we're humbled by this, but we're at the stage where every VC wants to talk to us. And I really want to talk to customers. I don't want to talk to VCs at this stage. I want to talk to customers because I think the stages of your startup is that at the beginning, if you're if you are a founder, co-founder, entrepreneur, at the beginning, 80% of your time should be spent on fundraising and team gathering or team building. As soon as you finish that stage, 80% should be on talking to the customer and finding the product market fit. Don't get stuck in the first stage. Leave the investors. Don't fundraise. 80% should be spent on talking to customers and figuring out the product. As soon as you get that product market fit, 80% should be spent on fundraising and team building. <laughs> but that in between, I think is an important part. And this is where we at right now. Uh, I think we are finding the product market fit, but this is what I want to focus on. So right now you're primarily focused on on growth, right? Uh, and uh, your product as well. When it comes to, to growth, I want to talk about different things about growth. Uh, but if we can speak a little bit about pricing, because uh, that's one of the biggest challenges for SaaS companies as well. You end up changing your pricing many times. You uh, try to figure out what the right pricing model is. Uh, you try to validate that in the market. Uh, yeah. So what is your current pricing model and, and how did you get to it? Yeah. Um, before I comment on the pricing model, let me uh, comment on something even more profound, which will lead us to, to pricing. Um, mm -hmm. If you're a company, if you're a software company like Penny, uh, first you got to figure out are you a SaaS or are you an enterprise? Because they're totally different animals. And this is the first thing you need to figure out. And once you figure that out, then you build your pricing accordingly. Then you build your marketing strategy accordingly. Then you build your product accordingly. So that's the first thing you have to figure out because SAP is not Intuit, right? And Oracle is not Slack. It's a completely different animal. SAP, if they wanna, if they wanna, if they wanna sell you something, they're gonna have fancy, fancy events and fancy suits. And but if Slack wants to sell you something, they're gonna target you with digital marketing. It's just different, right? So, for a company like, can Penny, you explain that maybe? Uh, yeah, a little bit. So, can yeah. you explain the difference between the two and also like how, where are you at in that process, or are you? Did you really mm -hmm. figure out if you're a SaaS or an enterprise? No, we haven't. <laughs> so, so we're, we're, okay. we're, I think we have a pretty good idea so far, but I, I wouldn't claim that we sort of like, you know, anchored it. Uh, but let me tell you the difference. Uh, the difference is that if you're a SaaS, then you can go, then you, the next question is, are we freemium or are we free trial? But if you're a SaaS, meaning that you're a software that companies will go, if you're B2B, of course, that companies will go online and download, it's not downloaded, but subscribe to it and start using it. So it's self-serve. It's self-serve, self it's intuitive. And then when you get to that level, then you ask yourself, are we premium SaaS or are we free trial SaaS, right? Which are completely different animals again. But before you go there, are you SaaS or enterprise? What is enterprise? Enterprise is completely different. Enterprise is uh, this, we need to talk. You, you get a general idea of what we do, and then we meet with you, we talk to you, we customize for you. It's very heavy. 
Do you want it on cloud? Do you want it in a premise? Think about SAP, think about Oracle. It's very heavy. We and and SaaS, you're going to have um, sales team, you're going to have BD team, and you're going to understand your client. And to close a deal is gonna take months, three months, six months, but that ticket is very is hefty, right? It's expensive. Yeah. Because sort of you're building a software for that company, whereas whereas SaaS, the ticket is much 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 smaller, but the frequency or the or the quantity is higher. So again, um, for any software company, are you SaaS or are you enterprise? And if you are SaaS, are you premium or are you pre-trial? If you go to our website right now, you don't see anything. You see, uh, get a quote, get a demo. And the reason why is because we really, really want to learn from you. We want to learn from the market. And what we, what is seem, what seems to us right now is that we have a SaaS, which is the sourcing tool, and we have the enterprise. So far, there's a good demand on the enterprise. Wouldn't you say though that in, in with modern, a lot of modern SaaS uh, or and, and and startups that are out there. Uh, you are essentially a self-serve kind of like start, uh, SaaS startup, but you also have an enterprise part to your business for to to service uh, large customers uh, that are that enterprise customers. That um, is correct. But you say you should like what you're trying to say. Maybe is like you should focus on one, which could determine do you go more down the route of uh, uh, doing more growth hacking, doing more SEO, more content, more ads, or going mm. down the, uh, the the route of you know, hiring a sales team uh, in different markets, going after the uh, big customers. Correct. So I think many people um, wonder, and I don't have the answer for that either. It depends on the yeah. on the uh, I guess on the business, but yeah, like probably you're also trying to figure out can you be both, or or you have to be one of them, Absolutely. or be more Absolutely. one than the other. So can you be both? That is the question. Yes, you can, and this is a very very new industry to be both. If you just look at this industry about five years ago, you couldn't name one company that could be both. Today, you see more and more companies that could be both. And interestingly speaking, we see this trend coming from the East, not from the West. So if you look at the West, if you look at uh, Silicon Valley companies and US companies, it's either this or that. But we see more companies coming out of the East, coming from India, coming from China, that are both. Today, Ray, you have one of your exhibitors in the conference that we really enjoy today, Zuhu. Zuhu mm-hmm. is an incredible software. We use Zuhu. We use Zuhu and we are very, very happy with it. Zuhu is an example of a company that could do both. They do um, both. Yeah, that's correct. They yeah. do both. Correct. They are across multiple products as well. So they got different various products. It'd be interesting to check out how they started because I think yeah. the challenge for you know entrepreneurs like you and, and, and many others is like, you know, at this stage when you're still limited in your funding, limited in your time, about to like, have your kind of like growth and scale where do you focus on and where's where's that gonna come from i think that was also mentioned a little bit in 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 uh, peter thiel's book and zero to one uh is to kind of i don't know if you've read that but kind of like differentiate between or determine if you want to have a an approach where you you hire people and you it's more uh outreach uh kind of right. sales 
And in that case, right. is it's more when you when you're selling very big contracts, when you're selling, you know, Correct. contracts for hundreds or millions of, of of dollars. And then, you know, you go more down the growth hacking kind of approach if you're selling the, I don't know, the ten dollar to few hundred dollar kind of products. Uh, where Indeed. does your product Indeed. fall in this? Is it does your pricing so, impact which approach you take? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because if you have a SaaS, if you have a very um, sort of like low touch SaaS, then the price would be much lower. Um, if you have an enterprise that you have to spend a lot of time with the customer, customize for the customer, uh, and it's solving a big complex problem, then the, the pricing would be much higher. Now, I'll tell you, Ray, where we are right now. Um, we haven't, like I said, reached out to a lot of customers. We haven't reached out to, to to, to companies, uh, we have been approached. All of those who have approached us are looking for enterprise. Mm -hmm. But we thought that, we thought that, oh, we're launching a SaaS company. But all of those who have reached out to us so far are looking for enterprise. But we're launching this new product right now, which, like I said, the e-sourcing tool, because the market is asking for it. Right, because we see a lot of companies are asking for it and we're going to launch it. Talk to me in two months and let's see how that works out. Uh, but I also but I also want to share something that the challenge of running, uh, of building an enterprise company from the region is that uh, a lot of investors don't get it. And uh, I mean, we, we don't really, that doesn't bother us because we have a lot in our plate and a lot of investors, we're blessed that a lot of investors want to join us. But I give you an example. So there's this investor that I, you know, their investor, I, li I like him so much. Uh, but every time he's not an investor with us, but he likes us and I, you know, we're friends. Uh, every time he talks to me, he cannot even understand or cannot comprehend that a company could build an enterprise software. Right, like he, and and this is very common in the region. So every time you, you 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 they talk to us, they say, okay, okay. So when are you building your bottom up software? When are you going to? The the investors in the region have been investing in consumers apps, and this is this is something that they understand very well. But if we look at software, if we look at SaaS, if we look at if we look at enterprise, there isn't much of a landscape in the region, and. This is why investors don't even get it, uh, and 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 that is a challenge. Um, thankfully for us, it's not a big challenge because uh, we have investors who are incredibly supportive. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know it's it differs from region to the to the other. Uh, but what why do you think is the reason the main reason is it because they don't imagine like they don't envision you being able to build the complex stack behind it or being able to uh, get the customers or compete with with the bigger players what do you think is the main no i don't think that is the reason i think they have i, I think they have a good faith and good belief in the uh, and, and the talents in, in the region and Saudi and in the region overall, I really don't think that's the reason. I think the only reason is that the, if you're an investor and you are in a, you're, you're in a space where uh, you don't see a lot of examples uh, of SaaS companies or of enterprise companies, it's really hard to benchmark. And it's really hard to evaluate because it's sort of like out of, out of the zone. 
Um, if you go to other markets where there are a lot of investors investing in SaaS and investing in enterprise companies, there's something to benchmark and there's something that they can understand. I think that's the only reason. Uh, but I think I think that the the SaaS industry and software in, industry in the region is going to grow. And I think this is our gate to, to globalization. This is our gate of building a global brand. Um, if you look at Penny, we are not trying to build a software to only serve the Saudi market or the MENA market. We're competing globally. And as soon as we scale, we're going to scale globally. We're not going to slow down. So uh, how, how, what's your, I know that you've been getting customers organically, which is, which is great. Uh, but moving forward, I'm assuming, you know, you want to put more effort into, uh, like you said, you're focusing on growth right now, getting more customers in. Uh, so what is your approach uh, when it comes to that? Uh, how do you focus on markets? Are you doing more the outbound outreach kind of approach, hiring more salespeople, or you're trying to build, uh, you know, more authority in the in that space by creating more content and so on. So, if you can break down your, be very interesting to know as a SaaS from the region, yeah. what your growth strategy yeah. is, what's your acquisition strategy for others content, to learn from. Content, content, content. It's so that's, that's your main focus. Okay, that is our main focus. We're not planning to hire a lot of salespeople. Um, uh, uh, we have, uh, I mean, we're a very small team right now. The, the person who is leading product development is a founding member, uh, but we don't really have salespeople. Um, and I don't think that is the way going forward. I think content is the way I think content and inbound marketing is the way. So, but content requires patience, right? Because it's it's once you build it, you're relying on SEO and you're relying on people coming to you. Which you know, if if you're, uh, you had said you weren't focusing as much before on SEO. If you're starting to focus yeah. on it now, let's say, or started a month ago, it's going to take you about six months until you build up enough content. You get. Uh, increase your ranking on Google and so on and be able to attract uh, uh, customers to to find out about you. So in that time, you're receiving all the pressure from your investors on growth and you also want to grow. So you're trying to yeah. figure out where all different customers are coming in. Yeah. So where, where uh, does the balance clear. pour? Yeah. yeah. So just to be clear, content doesn't always mean uh, 100% organic. Um, you could do content and you could do digital marketing with content. Um, you could do digital marketing, not by, Hey, here's a call of action. You could do awareness, digital marketing. You could do, um, I can give you an example, but I don't want to name companies, uh, but there are, I think, uh, excellent examples we see out there from companies who are doing this sort of content marketing and you can growth hack your content marketing. Um, especially if you figure out how to, uh, do digital marketing really well, and we have the means to do so. So, so mainly you would say that you're focusing on, uh, like SCM and SEO. So you're trying to kind of create content, try to, uh, market that content, uh, and then try to get results, results from it. And then which markets do you focus on with that as a, as a global? Yeah. So um, if you are going to, um, if you're going to do digital marketing, it's very expensive to not focus. It is very expensive. If yeah, you ask exactly. me, like, are you, 
I used to say, guys, we're a global company. Let's just go everywhere. Uh, but you then, can see your credit, uh, credit card bill gets, you know, <laughs> exactly. Can go up very exactly. fast. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, but then uh, we realized that this is not how it works. Uh, you have to focus. So our strategy is to focus in our market at the beginning. And I would say our market at the beginning by nature is Saudi, UAE, and the bigger MENA region. And then after that, step by step. Frankly, the organic demand, we're seeing more from Germany than other countries. I have no idea why. So I guess Germany would be next. But uh, we're thinking uh, we're thinking of having an office in the UK uh, with our scales. And from the, from the UK office, we target Europe, uh, European countries and other markets. Uh, India is a market for us. We're going to have an office in India. We already have an office in India, but we don't have a sales office in India. Or we don't have marketing in India. Uh, but from our office in India, we're going to expand our office in India. Going to hire an MD in every in every in every area, every market, and we expand from there. But we have to focus, and our focus right now is our region. Who are you typically your customers? Which industries, or if you can give me examples of yeah. some of your customers? Are um, they like, <laughs> we built the software with construction in mind. Um, the software is generic; it's industry agnostic. But uh, the marketplace we focus on construction, and we thought that we're going to focus on that industry. That's not what happened. That's not what the market told us. Uh, so we do have uh, demand from uh, construction, uh, but we see from uh, health, healthcare is big. Uh, healthcare seems to be dominant. Uh, hospitality, other other markets, even tech. <laughs> There's something I always ask a lot of founders, uh, interesting for me and for others who are watching, especially founders to know, what are your favorite tools that you use at Penny today? <laughs> to automate, to growth hack, to do everything. If you can give me like a list of your favorite tools. <laughs> Zoo. <laughs> Zoo, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, look, um, I mean, I, I really love Google. Um, I, I, even for communication, I use Google, Google Meet. I don't, I don't even use Zoom anymore. It's just convenient. It's easy. It's, it's, yeah. it's just, it's a comfort. It's a, it's my comfort zone with Google. What is your, your, uh, so your tech is all in-house that's built, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. But what's my favorite tool and like in tech, I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. That's, I'm, I'm, I would be the wrong guy to answer that. Yeah, no, I meant more like so tools in, in general, like tech or, 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 or more like growth hacking but, tools or. Uh, no, I like I like Figma uh, and mm -hmm. because yeah, Figma, Figma is great. visualizes things for me. So like, the, you know, when we work with, you know, as a team and the tech yeah. team, there are a lot of things that I don't understand, but just put it on me, put it on Figma for me and, and, and I get it. So Figma, Figma is a nice tool and I'm a UI UX freak. So I love Figma. I have to be Yeah, Figma is stuff. pretty cool. Yeah, I like Figma. They, yeah. they, they, they've really done great, especially in the last year. Uh, what are you using yeah. for the live chat setup with your customers? Or like CRM, what do you use for CRM and live chat? Do you, do you have that already or not yet? We do, we do. It's Zoho. <laughs> ah, that's why you're using Zoho for that. Okay, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think Zoho's advantage is that you can integrate a lot of things with, with each other as well. Yeah. Because so, they yeah. offer various things yeah. uh, across the street. I, I also like Miro. 
My hair is really cool. As you can tell, I'm a visual person. <laughs> yeah, it is. I tried it once, uh, maybe like a few weeks ago. And it's, it's very nice. Yeah, it's good mm-hmm. for brainstorming. I don't use it for brainstorming or for also for uh, sketching and, and, and uh, like UI, UX. What do you use it for? <laughs> No, we use uh, we use it for sketching, and we use it when we are working with uh, clients to basically sketch their need, their the processes, their procurement processes, mm. and everything in Miro. But we use uh, we use Figma for UI UX. Oh yeah, that's that's a great way to use uh, Miro for. Uh, two other tools that I really like that are more recent. One is Notion. Have you used Notion? I've heard about it. I haven't, I haven't used it. So, so Notion is like, uh, the, it's made for like uh, neat freaks. You know, it's like designed in a way where it's yeah. like Excel sheets meets, uh, you know, uh, other other kind of tools as well. Or, or Excel sheets with notes, kind of like with similar to notes as well, but brought in together in a very, very nice and like neat way. Uh, it's very cool. It's a, it's okay. a really good tool. Uh, Airtable is also a nice tool. Yeah, it's interesting because we've been using Airtable. Yeah, Airtable is good. It's interesting to see a lot of these again SaaS companies that are coming in to Mm -hmm. compete in a big way with um, a lot of the large players, Excel, Google Sheets. also, there is a company called Pitch.com uh, that's like coming in mm. to compete with PowerPoint. So you can build oh. presentations oh. much faster. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Automation nice. tools are um, good as well. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think this uh, I think like you said, it's really interesting to see these uh, light SaaS companies coming in to disrupt the the, the big sort of like legacy. Yeah, it kind of helps, you know, it's, yeah, like you said earlier as well, they're more self-serve, easier to use, very user-friendly, uh, cheap to set up, and they kind of become the, uh, you know, you rely on them a lot as a company to kind of like move forward as well, uh, which, is, which, yeah. is, which is which is what kind of becomes an ecosystem as well in one way or the other. I mean, we've seen Indeed. in the region, for example, on the payment side, the ecosystem, you know, kind of matured, uh, like in step now we have a lot of, uh, our sponsors are, uh, you know, payment providers and payment gateways. You didn't see that, you know, a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and after the pandemic also, you know, everything went cashless. So now we have a lot more transactions, but everything else has an infrastructure kind of yeah. around it as well. Uh, and yeah. these are some of the tools that help SaaS companies kind of grow uh, in one way or the other. Definitely. Uh, so what is what what is next for, for, for you and Penny? Where do you see you guys going in the, well, in the over the we, next year? We are working on some exciting stuff that we cannot announce yet, but uh, hopefully you'll see them in the news in the upcoming in the upcoming weeks or months. Um, so we're working on some very, very exciting stuff. Uh, I think we are Uh, incredibly pumped because we see the demand, we see what we are building and we see how customers really need this. Uh, It's really interesting that most companies in the region are not using any procurement software. So if you look at if you look at the revenue, it will manage, it will consolidate by CRM, and the CRM industry have matured throughout the years. But when it comes to spending, it's not consolidated, it's not well managed. 
And having a system like Penny, it's a no-brainer. Here's a system that manages all your spending and it's going to save you a lot of money. So what we do is basically mm-hmm. we're providing a need. We are we're solving we're solving a pain. There's a need in the market and we're solving that pain. So it's very very exciting. I think the region will suck us up in terms of demand. We want to go global, but I think it's going to be quite the journey. Yeah, you're right. Not many uh, uh, companies, you know, spend as much focus on on. They usually tend to spend more on CRMs and ERPs and so on, but not yeah. as much on the on the procurement side. Do you see yourself as because I think there are some. Um, government uh, kind of like provided RFP systems and so on. Do you compete with these or uh, um, how do you fit so, within so that? Our, so if you're a company using Penny, you can manage RFQs, you can manage RFPs, you can manage RFIs for your own company. Uh, but that has nothing to do with the RFPs that the governments uh, uh, initiate. Mm. Uh, so we're not competing with that. Okay, got it. So you kind of yeah, uh, issue for it's for your own RFPs that you're issuing out for for Correct. your your own uh, customer. So basically, we provide we provide the tool, and you use that tool to manage your procurement and you manage all your spending. If you are if you are a medium sized company, Penny, you probably don't have a very complex uh, procurement. So Penny is the tool to manage your spending. So if Penny helps you know every single penny, every single halala, every single real that you spent, with one click, you go to the dashboard, you know exactly where was it spent. And if there is a request, you can see the history of that request. Who requested what, who approved what, all of that. How is that different than, um, you know, QuickBooks or Xero uh, or other accounting well, software? Is it? QuickBooks, you, it's, uh, QuickBooks is basically based on what you enter in a QuickBooks. So basically, whatever you feed QuickBooks, QuickBooks is going to give you that. But QuickBooks cannot manage the full request to pay. So the procurement cycle is from request to pay. An employee requesting something, let's say an engineer in the field requesting something, it goes through the approval workflow. And from the approval workload goes to procurement. Procurement will source it in the market, send out FAQs, gather quotations, compare quotations, see what one which one makes sense, go with these suppliers, send POs, maybe revise quotation, this receive the product, get a bill, pay the bill. This whole cycle from request to pay is not something that you can manage in a QuickBooks. Yeah, got we, it. We integrate with the QuickBooks just to complete it. You integrate. Okay, this is actually another thing I wanted to ask you about. What what else do you integrate with? And do you see this as something that's quite important if you're a Very SaaS important, company? very important. Yeah. Pretty much we integrate with any software. Um, the major software is QuickBooks, SAP, Oracle. We integrate with all of those. It's very, very important because think about it this way. Um, your ERP system is the umbrella. Everything happens through your ERP system. Um, your CRM system is the system that's connected with your ERP system that manages all your revenue. And then Penny is your spending system that manages all the spending, all the procurement and everything. But it cannot live in silo. It has to be connected with your ERP, with your accounting. Do you do that manually today or or is that something that you've built for your paying customers to kind of do very quickly themselves and for the integrations? We've built, so far, so we've built the infrastructure from Penny side. So far, we 
I guess you can call it manually, but we work with the customers to to to, to talk to their IT team to connect. Mm-hmm. I see. And do you plan to make it more like self-serve in the future, so that? Of course, absolutely. So currently, your customers would get a access to, after they demo. Uh, you, you know, you quote them or they, they agree to become your customers. They get an access to a dashboard that they get to manage, connect everything and manage their own things, right? Exactly. And they can create accounts to the to, to all the team and, and their company. So they can request the if you, if you have a request, if you need to request something as an employee or even expense management for reimbursement, if you bought something and you need to be reimbursed, petty cash, uh, pre-deem, everything is just through a penny and it's very, very easy, very intuitive. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, we can go on for hours. Uh, fortunately, we're running out of time, but actually it would be very interesting to maybe have you back on in like a year or two years once. You know, Absolutely. to hear kind of like all these plans that you put in place and yeah. where you ended up and how your opinion changed then, that, like compared to today. That would be fun. Uh, I can guarantee you nothing will uh, remain concrete, right? This is the yes. next uh, Absolutely. So that would be fun to do. <laughs> Thank you very much. It was great having yeah. you. Thanks, Ray. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. If you enjoy listening and find it useful, you can follow the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or watch the video version on stepplus.stepconference.com 